Today's episode of the DC3Cast is brought to you by Comixology. Immerse yourself in over 20,000 digital comic books, graphic novels, and manga titles from over 125 publishers with Comixology. Our first-in-class exclusive guided view technology provides an unparalleled immersive and cinematic reading experience for readers. Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription free for 30 days and see why thousands of readers trust Comixology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and many, many more. folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are here with our second week of 52 coverage. Uh, last week we did the first 13 issues, we are back with the second 13 issues tonight, and to lead us there is Zach. So Zach, take it away. Alright, so kicking off with 52 issue 14... Um, this one is uh, uh, kind of special. It's got Dale Eaglesham art. Yeah, yeah. this volume nice. had some had some really good art. It did. Uh, also, um, I think this uh, this volume compared to the last had um, very few like consistent issue runs. Like the first volume had, I think, like five or six issues by Joe Bennett at the beginning, and mm-hmm. um, this is very much a rotating uh cast of writer or of artists i should say and some some pretty big names and and also i think this volume has the the first issue with multiple artists on it um, yes which the back matter discusses so we can talk about that when we get to that okay okay um so kicking off with issue 14 um we find uh the question and renee in conduct um they are there kind of trying to uh, follow up on the inner gang stuff. Um, we cut to Steel. He's he's very sad because he's a metal man now, but not not the same as the other metal men. Um, he's a different kind of metal man. He's kind of lamenting, pushing Natasha away. Uh, we cut to Will Magnus, who is dealing with the metal men. Um, some some government lackeys are kind of trying to get him to design or seemingly seemingly government are, are trying to um, get him to develop metal men for them. And it's kind of hinted at that we're not hinted. It's, it's shown that he's uh, taking medication for depression. Um, he goes to visit uh, Tio Mara, who has escaped from his facility. Um we're we're back in in conduct um question and renee come across an inner gang uh safe house hideout whatever you want to call it and everyone there is dead um gruesomely murdered and uh they conspicuously find some uh rat poison uh 
coumadin, warfarin, whatever you want to call it, the blood, the blood thinner. Um, and and with they, the Mr. Pharmacists over here. Uh huh. And um, they are uh, found by law enforcement and and arrested, uh, assumed for the murder of all these people. Yeah. According um, to the back matter, that is something terrorists actually do. By the way, the rat poison thing. Yeah, they they she, uh, yeah she explains that. I can't remember if it's in this issue. I actually think it's in one of the later ones. She explains that they uh, coat the shrapnel in it so that yeah. if you get pierced, even if you don't uh, die from the initial blast, you'll bleed out, which is pretty uh, miserable, pretty gruesome. Yep. Uh, one thing I noted when I was reading this issue um, was that I, I, I like, I don't know why this occurred to me, but whenever they show Will Magnus, like anytime, he's always got his pipe in. And I, I think it's just funny that like, um, it's one of those like dumb superhero comic artistic tics, I think, or, or it's just it's something that's expected, which is because Will Magnus is the the doctor who smokes a pipe, he has to smoke a pipe in every, yeah. <laughs> whether it's practical or not, you know, like here he's like working with both hands on something and he's got a pipe hanging out of his mouth, you know, like very few humans would practically do that at, at these, at all these moments, you know? And um, one thing I compare it to is like how an artist will draw John Constantine lighting up a smoke like 10 times in one issue <laughs> because they just like drawing John Constantine lighting a cigarette, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It may not make any sense unless he's like really sucking those things down. Which he probably, probably is. He probably is. Didn't he have terminal cancer recently in, in continuity? Well, that's been his thing for like, that's been his thing for, for like two decades now. But wasn't that recently reintroduced in continuity? Probably. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, have I no think addition. it was in Justice League Dark. Yeah. I, was, I, I have no additional notes uh, for this issue particularly. I think this issue does uh, so. In, in a continued, uh, Brian reads the back matter, so everyone else doesn't have to. They talk about at the beginning of this issue. You see uh, Charlie and Renee arrive in conduct, and there's like, there's no hotel rooms to be had, and they make a point of that. There's no place for them to stay. Well, that's because initially this scene was going to take place after the wedding of Black Adam and, and Isis, so no one is there. I mean, there's, I mean there's, everyone's there for the wedding. That's why there's no hotel rooms. But at this point, they have mm. not. They have not even announced their intention to marry yet. So, mm. and basically, anytime I have a note like that, it's because Greg Rucka is bitching in the back matter. He is such a bitch <laughs> through all of this. He throws shade on the artists all the time. He's always complaining. <laughs> but maybe the nicest guy I ever interviewed, Greg Rucka. So, well, you're not an artist. So. <laughs> yeah, if I was doodling at the time, he'd tell me to go fuck myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what do you draw those boobs a little smaller, Brian? Come on. Honestly, the, uh, I'm gonna get to it. There's this a lot. Looks a lot right. hornier than I remember. Yeah, <laughs> in, in a bad way. Yeah. It's yeah. not. There, there are some pretty, there's some pretty shitty stuff in here that doesn't, doesn't serve a purpose. Um, yeah, definitely does not age well at all. No, no. Um, 
We'll get to some not um, aging well stuff later for sure. And you know what? You know what? Like people people bitch about that. Like, oh, you can't you can't show boobs in a comic anymore or whatever. But like, honestly, some of the stuff in Fifty Two, like. It don't even pretend that it enhances the story in any way. Like, it is it, it exists it, just to be lecherous. Well, there, there's one thing in particular which I'm sure we're all thinking about that actually like works against the context of the story and, and things that we find out like just a few pages later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to note. Um, gonna try to like just mention the the backup origin stories which are all written by mark wade but the one for this issue is metamorpho and it's illustrated by eric powell it looks very good yeah um okay uh issue 15 uh this one's illustrated by sean mole who's a name i am not familiar with at all um he did a couple issues last time last volume he did yeah okay okay well i guess i just don't know him outside of 52 um but i quite like his art here um so this issue starts off with um booster um kind of railing against supernova he's very angry and um he he gets a report that a submarine has appeared in Midtown Metropolis and it's on the back of a giant squid monster, uh, which gives very big Watchmen vibes. Yep. Um, <laughs> just that that big splash page. Um, we cut back to um, Charlie and Renee in Condock, and here's like one of the first of many weird scenes where. Uh, a guard just grabs Renee by her, her hair and the front of her shirt and just like pulls on it. And it's just a, it's a, I mean, I guess that kind of thing would happen. It's just very weird. I don't know. You don't actually like see very much, but it's the first of just like very like physically aggressive attacks on women. Uh, um, in this book, it's one of a few. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was weird um yeah i I don't know um but fortunately they they are able to escape um thanks to the questions um his his like special gas stuff um we cut back to metropolis uh clark can't set the daily planet uh and they find out you know what the squid is um and uh booster is fighting it and um he's not he's not doing great he ends up causing a massive blackout uh, um and supernova shows up and and kind of saves the day fixes the situation and uh but the the submarine is actually nuclear and is about to explode and booster pulls it up into the sky and and it blows up seemingly killing booster gold seemingly yeah, I mean, he's a straight-up skeleton. He's in the share zone at this point. <laughs> yeah, dang. I just, I just, I just, uh, um, it kills Booster Gold. R.I.P. Booster. Which, did they spoil it on the cover? I can't remember. Um, I want to say it's like, it's his visor with some blood on it, so. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but okay, hang on. And it, and it says his last battle by Clark Kent. Yeah, memorial issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty telegraphed. I, I hate when comics do that. This but series whatever. in particular, almost every big reveal is covered on the is on the cover of the issue before you read it. Mm-hmm. Like there's there was that great issue last time with all the Justice Leaguers undercover at the Cult of Connor thing. But the cover of that issue yeah. is the Justice Leaguers in the Cult of Connor robes. Like, it's, uh, yeah. The series is not great at giving you surprises in the issue. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. I get what you mean. Okay. He does. So he does uh, agree. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. But I think I think the, the, the series is very surprising. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is they could have done a better job not spoiling stuff on the covers. Sure, sure. The covers do look really good, though. They do. 10 out of 10. They look great. Um, the backup in this one is uh, The Origin of Steel with art by John Bogdanov. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, these origins, they're nothing special, but sometimes there's a nice artistic pairing. They try to do the thing where... Um, if a creator has a certain connection to the character, they get to draw the two pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like when they do these. I kind of, I kind of wish DC would do these every few years. You know, um, just little two-page backups like that. I, I feel like, I feel like we're due for something like that. But we, we probably won't get that stuff again because, um, I think you know if DC is trying to streamline their publication operation they, they're probably not gonna wait, bother with things like that you know well i wonder if this is the type of thing that we'll see like first of all I, I i you've heard rumors for like 20 years that dc is bringing back who's who at some point right but oh, i feel like, i hope i feel like stuff like this or who's who might be really good exclusive content for that new dc universe like the way they're doing the new stuff there there's exclusive digital comics i feel like oh that would win I, I feel like this is that's the perfect place to put this sort of stuff yeah. Yes. Um, one note from the back matter here, because I again I'm reading this in my trade, so I don't have the the origin stuff in there. But uh, Mark Wade said that they were very concerned about making people believe that Booster is actually dead. That comics pull this stuff so often, and they felt that the way to do that, the way to make people believe it, was to put Clark Kent there because people would because he wouldn't lie about that. Right, so that if Clark Kent says he's dead, he's dead. That checks out. Yeah. All right. Okay. What wedding issue bells 16. are ringing now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Issue sixteen. This is a Joe Bennett joint. Um, we open up with um, Black Adam and Isis. Um, they're, you know celebrating they've saved all these kids they have this garden um everything's happy and black adam proposes to isis and so there's going to be a wedding um we cut to charlie and renee they're hiding out in a shipping container um the captain marvel family is is on hand to help out with the black uh, Marvel wedding. Uh, Mary Marvel is going to be, I guess, kind of like the bridesmaid for Isis. Um, Billy is officiating, and I, I guess it's kind of implied that uh, 
Freddy is uh, the best man, sort of. So it, it's it's really fun. Um, this this little era of Captain Marvel. What what do you think, Brian? Uh, our resident Captain Marvel uh, fanboy. Oh, I love this stuff. I, I eat this shit up with a spoon. This is this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just one thing. Uh, Freddy is just doing security. He's not the best man. Billy okay. is sort of the best. Okay, you're so right. When this was written, again according to the back matter here, uh, it was supposed to be the wizard Shazam doing the ceremony, but he had been written out of continuity, uh-huh. which they didn't realize. So Billy was supposed to be the best man, and then they just changed the the script to make it that he was the efficient now because okay because the wizard was out of continuity. So yeah. Yeah. That didn't the sense. wizard Shazam die during? <sighs> he died infinite, during Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis yeah. Yes. It yeah. was yeah, in uh, Day of Judgment. Yeah. yeah. How did how did Jeff Johnson not know that? Well, I don't th- <laughs> I, I don't know if he was the one right in that sequence or not. I. Um, but yeah, I mean, or you just I mean to be fair, like everybody died in Infinite Crisis, so I know. there were so many. He was at least probably editing it though to some degree. Um, he was like brainstorming all that, but yeah. but yeah, for sure. Who knows? Um. But also Takitani and Uncle, is it Uncle, Uncle Dudley? Dudley? Yeah, yeah, they they show up. Um, so the the wedding is happening, and uh, Renee and and question kind of uh, they figure out that there is going to be a uh, a suicide bomber at the wedding. They they kind of deduce that from Renee deduces it from the rat poison that they found, um, and so they're kind of staking out in the crowd trying to find the bomber while the wedding is happening and and they find a girl who is being suspicious she has a backpack and they they kind of figure out that she's the bomber um and renee kind of has to decide what to do she doesn't want to kill her because she is just a, a kid um but she does end up uh shooting her before she can blow up the bomb um the wedding goes off without a hitch, though, otherwise. Um, and the issue uh, cuts, the, the issue ends with a quick check in with the space crew. Um, Adam Strange is able to fix the ship and they escape from Devilance's planet. And the backup in this one is the origin of Black Adam with J.G. Jones art. Ooh. Very nice. J.G. Jones. That a boy. I like his art. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. This is a very good issue. I feel like that the Renee stuff is heartbreaking. Uh, you mm. you see just how much that messes with her, with her. But you also see that it's sort of the only option in that in that moment. Um. I mean, of course, we we could nitpick if that's really the only option. But it's as it's presented to her, it appears it's the only option. And it's good. It's a good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, Billy officiating the wedding is really funny. By by the gods and goddesses of all the universes and all worlds, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Now let's have some lightning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the it's a far cry from the crazy way. Billy, though, that we saw earlier in the series. Yes. And, and to be fair, if you were like a 13-year-old officiating a wedding, that's exactly the shit you would say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what were you going to say, Vince? 
Oh, I was just saying the fact that you call it that, Billy. <laughs> Classic goof. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a good issue. I I really like this. Also, good. Oh, I was gonna say he he says let us repeat the wizard's name in praise and call for the virtues. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny thing to say. Uh, there's going to be a very funny Marvel Family thing said later that I can't wait to talk about. Um, but no, I, I think that this Marvel Family stuff is really good. I think it's fun, and it's... You know, Black Adam has been rehabilitated as a character ever since... I guess it's it sort of begins in the um, Jerry Ordway Power of Shazam series. It's really Jeff Johns... It begins that in JSA stuff. And this just continues to rehabilitate the character and make the character just far more interesting. At this point, he is way more interesting than Captain Marvel is. And I, I think he's handled really well here. And of course, having read this, you know, tragedy is never far away. But for right now, this is a very, very good, this is very good Black Adam stuff. Yep. Anyone else? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, so issue number seventeen. This is a uh, Chris Batista on art, and we got the main man on the cover. Uh, Lobo's here. Best version of Lobo ever is in the series well questionably i don't know he still sucks but he's much better <laughs> here <laughs> in some ways oh <laughs> we'll get and to not it. in other ways or not in, sure. in some ways he's much worse i don't know <laughs> he I, I don't know trinity trinity lobo was pretty good too <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't, that's the best that's i didn't lobo. think anything would ever surpass triple fish god lobo but um <laughs> which trinity lobo the... uh trinity the one where he's banging the uh, uh, Boudica. Yeah. Boudica. Oh yes. Oh, that they, Trinity. They, yes. They miss okay. like yeah. most of the event because they're in the trailer. The fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh I forgot yes. About that. Yes. Oh. Never forget it. <laughs> um. So Lobo's on the cover, but this issue starts off with uh, Luther's uh, new team. Um. I don't know if they're going by Infinity Inc. yet, but I'm going to call them that because that's what they that's what they end up going by is is Infinity Inc. Um, And so they are kind of just doing like a a test mission against uh, looks like Cobra members. I think that's who that is. Um, And Lex is kind of going over basically like play by play footage with them. one of the characters, the speedster, is like using a drug called. Um, oh, what's uh, it I can't. I thought it was right here. Uh, I don't know. She's she's using sharp a drug. or something like yeah, that. She, yeah, I think that's yeah. It's sharp. The sharp. Uh, she's using this drug to slow down because she she's can't she can't really adapt to the the speed abilities that she's gotten. Um, so there's there's kind of trouble brewing with this uh very like reality star driven uh teenage superhero group uh we go back to the space crew who are in an asteroid field we find out that buddy's 
uh, favorite Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. Um, he, uh, th- they're trying to navigate this asteroid field, and Devilant shows back up and attacks them, but he is dismembered very quickly because he falls into a trap that was meant for the main man, Lobo, who appears triumphantly. Um, Starfire is the only one who can uh, go out in a vacuum. So she goes to to, uh, talk to Lobo and we get just one of the most disturbing sequences in the whole series so far (laughs) where Lobo makes groping gestures towards Starfire and then just, pulls off her what her whatever you call that the top that she's wearing yeah and and you can't and he sees everything they're they're yeah he sees everything (laughs) um you can't see what they're saying because they're in space uh so there's speech bubbles but they're they're empty um and they they come to some agreement uh lobo agrees to to give them a ride um Animal Man is a true gentleman. He gives uh, Starfire his costume to wear. Um, but we find out that uh, Lobo has uh, turned his back on violence because he's he's found religion. Um, but that still doesn't stop him from making unwanted sexual advances on, on women. Uh, yeah. even, though we, even though we find out later that it's supposed to. So whatever. Um, and this issue ends with the reveal that Red Tornado is alive and he's in Australia. And, and he's saying has, 52. He is saying 52. Um, this origin has the a word this we issue, love to say. We also love 52. Um, <laughs> this issue has the origin of Lobo with Keith Keith Giffen pencils, and they they look it's a good Keith Giffen pencils. Looks very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, Keith Giffen loves the main man. That's for sure. Although he, he spends half the main ma- man. he spends half the back matter saying it wasn't my idea to bring Lobo back. I didn't want to do that. Like basically the- deflecting all of that. Does anyone say anything about the the groping? Oh no, of course. Not. <laughs> well, okay. Just, just wait. Keith Kevin's going to say something in a couple of issues in the back matter that was certainly not right to say in 2007 or whatever this was, <laughs> but is absolutely horrible to say now. So, oh, I can't wait. Just wait. Kevin's. G- oh man, that guy. That's a I good tease know. for later. Um. I I hate to think that it was Grant that was writing this, but it was. I assume it was. I mean, I I think what you could say is if you're looking to defend Grant, what you could say is like Lobo is this boorish character. We're not supposed to be celebrating what he's doing. Just like you shouldn't root for the Joker. You shouldn't be rooting for Lobo. (laughs) Well, of course not. But like also the also you don't have to draw it that way. You could you could do you could you could get the same idea across. You could do the same sort of thing, or you could make Lobo into like a horny lech. But like the way it's drawn is like half the it, battle there. It's very titillating. Yeah, well, and and that yeah. is Zach probably didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, and that because Giffen was doing I honestly layouts, don't even remember so. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hmm. Uh, any, anything else to say about 17? Uh, no, I think that this is where the, the space stuff gets really fun. Yeah. From here on out. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, man, issue 18 has some big revelations that I'm very interested to talk with you all about. Um, issue 18 is an Eddie Barrows issue. Um, we kick off at the House of Mystery. Uh, we're a group of heroes that are going by the name Croatoan, um, which confusingly is not connected at all to the to the stuff from uh, Seven Soldiers and yeah. um, and and all of that stuff that that went on. Um, really really weird. Um, but it's it's Bibbo and I, I actually don't Not know Bibbo. the other Bobo. <laughs> I wish it was Bibbo. <laughs> I wish it was Bibbo. It's you Bobo. Superman. And... Why is this guy water? <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish it was Bibbo. That was an um, excellent Bibbo impression. It's Bobo. It was good. It was really good. Um, Bobo and and Terry. Thirteen. I thought that there Tracy was a Tracy 13. thirteen though. There is, but that's is there Terry. Terry thirteen too. There is. That's confusing. Do you know who the guy is? Uh, Edogawa Sengaku. Okay. I believe um, it only appears in this. Well, obviously, for obvious reasons, only appears in this series. Obviously. Um. Okay, yes, you're right. He's listed as one of the characters here in the the picture frame on the first page. Um, but they, they find uh, this other character, Tim Trench, uh, in an office wearing the Fate Helmet, which we know uh, from this podcast was last seen in Day of Judgment, where uh, Captain Marvel hurled it into the sky. Um and so Tim Trench is sitting with the helmet on, but he turns to water. He turns to a puddle. Boba says, is anybody else's nose twitching? Um, we cut back to Kondok, uh, where uh, Renee and Charlie are being honored for, you know, the service for uh, preventing the suicide bomber at the wedding. But Renee doesn't show um, because she kind of, you know, is dealing with the guilt of what she's done. And they black adam is offended he goes looking for her and he just burst a gigantic hole in the wall to find her um drunkenly uh in, in the throes of passion with a with the, one of the most beautiful women in in conduct apparently i think it's said um so this is another case of um 52 just being very horny mm-hmm. um this scene, this scene was really kind of weird to me. I don't want to like spend too much time on it, but Black Adam is just—I I guess it's just where Black Adam is at this point. But like Renee pushes him so much farther <laughs> than I would have like reasonably expected for him to go. Um, almost like straining, like suspension of disbelief a little bit. Um, but it, it's whatever. It's a fine scene. I, I like I like Renee's characterization in this a lot. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's 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 less to show. Like we we keep we keep getting beaten over the head with things like Black Adam has changed. He isn't the same as he used uh-huh. to be. But I think this is more to show just how little Renee wants to live right now. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, we cut back to Bobo, who um, brings the uh, Doctor Fate helmet to Ralph Dibney, and this is the first time I think we've seen Ralph 
this is the first time we've seen Ralph since the end of the Cult of Connor uh, storyline from that we discussed last week. And um, it, um, I was a little confused on how Bobo and Ralph got connected. It had something to do with uh, a pseudonym that Ralph used that. That's a Bobo found tipped him. him. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember how Bobo found that. Okay, because that was the pseudonym he was using, like to cover himself. Okay, yeah. For yeah. some reason, I thought he was like getting in touch with him. That that makes sense. Okay, yeah. He tracks him down. Um, we find out that Bobo's a Republican. Yes, that's in my notes. <laughs> yeah, that that's me. the big revelation I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Bobo's canceled. Well, um, Bobo's also British, so that means something else over there. Okay, you're right. That's true. I didn't know that Bobo was British. I don't know that either, but I, he, he says, he says, <laughs> so now wait, shit. <laughs> wait, wait, at, at one point in this, in 52, he says something like he uses a Britishism. He says like bullocks or I don't something. remember that. It's somewhere in there. No, I think you're, I think you're gaslighting here bobo's a republican he he would he voted for bush yes twice he he definitely voted for bush twice but i think he voted for obama and then romney that would be my guess (laughs) probably yeah is he now is he a never trump conservative yeah absolutely yeah because because it would offend him i I don't know as somebody who's so smart trump would offend him uh, but I could also see him like going down the Q rabbit hole. <laughs> no, he's too smart for that. I, I I refuse to have Bobo slandered that way. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, next, we cut to Cincinnati, Ohio, the only city that uh, did not have a grudge against Booster, so that's where his funeral is held. <laughs> Really sad. A uh, bunch of no names uh, got hired to carry his uh, carry, carry his coffin. Uh, but Skeets finds uh, Daniel John Carter, who uh, is a genetic match for Booster. And we find out that he is Booster's ancestor in the present age and will be important later. It's uh, very annoying how they all have uh, three first names. <laughs> this booster family i hate it yeah they're, well they're i don't think they're supposed to be likable people he also has <laughs> like bordering on a mullet yeah, like he's, I, he's I have getting noted, there i have noted that he has a mullet <laughs> yeah yeah um we, we cut back to to bobo and ralph they they meet up with shadow pact and giza um and um ralph uh, here's Ralph is spoken to by the Dr. Fate helmet and kind of gets this rundown about uh, this, the 10th age of magic. And he, he figures out what he needs to do and he goes off and he takes the helmet. Um, but everyone else is very perplexed because they, they did not hear the helmet talking and they think that Ralph has just really lost it. And that's where the issue leads off. That's sort of a theme of Ralph's stories here. Everyone just presuming that he has lost it. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is also where Ralph's storyline really gets interesting. You, you mentioned that the space story gets good last issue. Not that the Ralph story so far hasn't been good, but this is where it gets really good. This is where it gets really weird. Which is way. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the origin in this issue is the question with Joe Bennett on art, and uh, it looks good. So Mark Wade did the back matter for this issue, and um, I totally forgot that. So one of the guys that is the pallbearers is Mind Grabber Man, who we last saw in Seven Soldiers Bulleteer. Forgot about that. And that if you notice, Abe Lincoln is one of the uh, pallbearers. <laughs> and um, oh, nice! It says that uh, he, uh, Mark Wade, once wrote an unpublished Justice League story on a dare from Steve Wacker that involved Abraham Lincoln. So that's what that character is technically <laughs> from, which is fun. It was never published. With no intention to ever publish it, I'm sure. I, I'm sure, yes. Nice. That's funny. Oh, Steve Wacker, what a goof. All right, issue 19. Yeah, we'll take a break after 19. Okay. Uh, so this one is illustrated by Patrick Olive. Um, kicks off with Skeets in Daniel's apartment. Um, Skeets makes a... Uh, a deal with Daniel. Uh, so I guess, I guess Daniel's pretty down on his luck. He has kind of an origin story that's pretty similar to uh, to Booster, where he was a football star and his career got ruined. So now he's kind of washed up. And Skeets needs Daniel because his DNA is similar enough to uh, Booster's that he'll be able to get back into Rip Hunter's vault, which honestly like does not make since I think 500 years removed would not make you close enough of a genetic match to fool a time master's vault, but you know, Unless whatever he's really inbred where like every generation <laughs> is fucking exactly, a, yeah. another relative. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it, it is, uh, it Skeet says that booster did not share any of the information uh that he gleaned from going into uh into rip's vault which which is a very interesting note and and will be important later um pretty soon actually um but some some important foreshadowing um we we cut back to the space crew um they get to this planet that uh that Lobo is on where he, and we find out that he is the, that he is now Archbishop Lobo of the first celestial church of the triple fish God. Um, we learned that from a dolphin named fishy. Uh, um, uh, the crew, they get cleaned up, but they, they find out that this is kind of a, a haven for refugees of uh, planets that have been attacked or destroyed uh, uh, by something called the Stygian Passover, um, which I don't really remember very well, but for all intents and purposes, basically seems to be the Annihilation Wave, um, essentially. Mm, am, I, yeah. am I wrong on that? Is that right? No, nah, that, sounds, that sounds right. Sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Um, th it's also, wh whoever's behind the Stygian Passover is also behind the bounty that's been placed on um, 
Strange, Starfire, and Animal Man, and it's also connected to the Emerald Eye of Ekron, which Lobo has, and I, I'm pretty sure is connected to the, the the Legion character, Emerald Empress, Legion of mm-hmm. Superheroes. Um, but that That's is right. another yeah another case of uh, Legion, future Legion paraphernalia showing up in current dc cosmic space cosmic stories which is always good um we cut to metropolis uh with supernova fighting the weather wizard um supernova meets up with wonder girl which i think this is the first time we've seen her since the the cult of connor stuff and we find out that uh wonder girl thinks that supernova is connor kent resurrected and so that's kind of of the first major development in the in the who is supernova question um we get to the vault with uh, daniel and skeets um daniel goes into the vault and finds a poster um with an arrow pointing to booster saying it's all his fault uh skeets uh reacts very uh strangely to this he seals uh daniel into the vault and activates uh some kind of time loop vortex that pulls daniel uh, into it and skeets uh set leave saying he, he served his purpose and he knows and that the issue uh ends off with a animal man origin backup with art by brian boland Ooh. And it looks fantastic. It looks oh man, Brian Boland is so good. Yeah, he's he's so good. It's a shame shame we didn't get more interiors from him, but you understand why. Mm-hmm. Covers are legendary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a pretty big issue overall. A lot it of is. lot of important stuff happens here. Yeah. Um... In the back matter, Mark Wade talks about how it was Grant Morrison's idea to turn Skeets evil, and how everybody, uh, like, instantly bought into it. And um, there's a really great quote here from Wade. He says, "See, Grant's con- big contribution to Fifty Two wasn't that he it, he was the idea guy; it was that he's fearless." And so it's like that Morrison would just throw out ideas that had huge consequences, but he didn't care. And I think that's a really good way to think about Morrison as a writer. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And it is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll return with issues 20 through 26 after this. Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman, The next will be a European comic, like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga, like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. All right. So now we are on issue 20 
this is another Chris Batista issue. Uh, this one has one of my favorite covers of the entire series. It's the three space characters uh, standing in front of a, a giant emerald eye. It looks really, really good. Um, one of my favorites. Um, this issue opens up with a pretty uh, perplexing um, intro with Supernova uh, just walking through the Batcave um, and snooping and, and eventually coming across a gauntlet that uh, has kryptonite. It's basically the Infinity Gauntlet with kryptonite um, is what it looks like if Lex Luthor made it. Um, then we uh, check in with Steel. First time we've seen Steel in a little while. He is um, helping out with a, a burning building. He he is uh, maintaining the the structural integrity while the firefighters evacuate um, everyone. Uh, his uh, his contact Kala. Um, I can't remember. Is she a fellow scientist or or a reporter? I want to say she's a Star Lab scientist. I think that's right. Okay, yeah. So she um, she has come across uh, information that suggests that not only uh, is Lex giving people uh, abilities with his metahuman gene therapy, he's actually able to uh, take the powers away, um, which is interesting. Uh, um, we cut back to space uh, with Lobo uh, kind of dealing with his, his flock of refugees when uh, I think these are supposed to be the, the Stygian, um, these kind of insectoid uh, aliens that are very similar to the Annihilation Wave, if you've ever read yeah. uh, Abnett and Lanning's Annihilation. Um, Animal Man taps into the the alien fauna and gets some. He, he basically becomes like a, a jumping bug who can who can breathe blue fire. Yes. Um, it's he's like a he's basically a flea that breathes fire. It's very it's very fun. Um, so they fight. Lobo is just dismembered, just eaten eaten alive. But of course he he can regenerate, so he's fine. But the the emerald eye is released. Um, and one one of the aliens grabs it and is instantly disintegrated. Um, but Corey grabs it and and uses it to in in the threat of the the Stygian, but at the same time summons the owner of the eye, who is Ekron, um, who basically he he's like a giant head with robot legs, um, but also looks like a spaceship. Um, <laughs> it's it's a good design. Uh, Lobo regenerates and kind of, uh, you know, chastises them, tells them what what they've done, and and you know, kind of, and tells them that they that they have to escape because Ekron's going to come to get them, and that is issue twenty. Yeah. Uh, backup, backup is Adam Strange with Kevin Nolan art. Oh man, it's really good. Yeah, I'm surprised the amount of good artistic talent they were able to get for those backups because you would think it's, yeah, it, it's yeah. they're not exactly big named like it, it, it's not a sexy assignment right to do a backup in 52 sure. but yeah but here we are uh let's see was there anything interesting in the back matter for this issue so basically i've noticed that grant morrison does none of these uh commentaries everybody else does <laughs> um so I, we, we forgot to mention that uh, when Supernova goes to the Batcave, he looks at the Jason Todd costume. 
uh-huh. which, which was supposed to be like a, a a hint that maybe it was Jason Todd, uh, but it's not. Obviously. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't read it that way at all, but that's interesting. I, I wonder if others would have at that time. I, I guess that's what you were supposed to take from it. Yeah, it says here that there were a lot of people who were guessing uh, correctly, but people were writing crazy ones too. So they were saying that you know, but staring at the Jason Todd costume, you might think it's Jason Todd like resurrected. You might think it's somebody who was a teammate of Jason Todd's. You know, there, there, you know there's lots of options you could that you could uh, deduce from that, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. is interesting. So yeah. Um, I don't want us to spoil who Supernova is for those who are maybe reading along with us, but did you have any clue who Supernova was when you were reading it? I I honestly don't remember. Um, it's been so long. I, I can't remember if I, if I guessed it or figured it out before then. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I guessed it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, we good for number 21? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so issue 21 is another Joe Bennett issue. Um, sorry, the DC Universe app is uh, being finicky. Um, so we open up with uh, Natasha talking with Lex. Um and she's kind of making a case for getting um, the the speedster girl back on the team who had been kicked off after using drugs. Uh, her name's Eliza. Uh, so she's she's off the sharp. She's clean. And Natasha's making a case for her to get back on the team, uh, which uh, Lex uh, is okay with. We um, cut to uh, Ralph and uh, I keep calling it – Keep calling him the Doctor Fate helmet. I guess t- it technically, I guess we could call him Naboo. No, it's um, not. They make a big deal of that in Day of Judgment. That's it's, right. It's that's right. Naboo. Naboo dies. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I'll just keep calling. I'll call him Doctor Fate for. for... I, I, in my notes, I had Naboo, and then I, I went back and I read it, and I was like, Oh no, that is Doctor Fate. So yeah. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Um. So they they're fighting this demon. Um. Ralph has dosed him with the gingold and tied him up into a knot and uh, basically is threatening him that if they, if they don't let him into, into hell or into this, um, this, this realm that he's trying to get into that he'll basically, that the gingold will ring wear off and he'll be just, just horribly injured and disfigured as his body kind of returns to normal um the art in this scene is really really good i think um especially some of some of the best bennett work i I think we've seen so far in in the series um cut back to luther and in infinity inc he's prepping a a mission where they're going to fight the new blockbuster um and this is kind of the team's big debut in their new costumes um it, it it's a lot of banter it's kind of like playing on all of the you know, the ideas of this team being very uh, reality TV driven. Luther is, um, you know, watching everything from afar and talking about dubbing over their lines and in, in post-production or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they they seemingly get the upper hand on, on Blockbuster when uh, a Teen Titans team shows up. 
um, that consist of Beast Boy and Raven, Power Boy and Lil Barda, uh, Zachary Zatara, and uh, Hotspot, I think is the other character's name. Yeah, Hotspot. Who under a different name was introduced in Dan Jurgen's terrible Teen Titans run from around zero hour. Wonderful. Okay. Um, and so th- these Teen Titans characters are kind of, um, you know, both both questioning the, the experience and the, you know, the ability of this Infinity Inc. team. And, and some of the team is is kind of you know wanting to um you know get help from the titans and kind of learn from them especially eliza the speedster character because we we have found out that she's very obsessed with kid flash and wants to be on the titans and, and and become the new kid flash um but we find out that uh lex is kind of manipulating blockbuster from the scene and from behind the scenes and gives him a power boost and he escapes and eliza um chases after him uh alone and lex uh cuts off her powers and blockbuster murders her um very sad uh this is followed up pretty quickly by the funeral where the the teen titans team uh pretty pretty quickly disbands and in the aftermath of this um, but uh, John Henry Steele uh, connects with the the remaining members, Beast Boy, Raven, and Zachary Zatara, Zatara because they uh, suspect that something's going on with this uh, Infinity Inc. team. And uh, issue ends again with another Red Tornado in Australia teaser um, that is a little bit less interesting and intriguing than the first one. Agreed. Is uh, no origin in this one. No, yeah, one of the few issues without a backup. Is Blockbuster the ultimate DC Comics jobber? Yes. Or what? Yes. <laughs> I feel like anytime you need like a just a brutish, just dumbass uh, villain to to. I mean, he obviously he he gets the upper hand in some way here, but like anytime you need a guy who's just like getting mopped up by the heroes it's i feel like i feel like he's the quintessential we have a new young hero who needs to test his metal let's throw him up against blockbuster yeah 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 let me see if Um, there's anything i should have done this before my apologies um i don't want to say this this time this team was fun. I liked it. Yes, and, and I have to say they do a really good job with um, with that speedster's death. What's her name? Uh, Eliza. With Eliza's death. Uh-huh. I feel like this issue. I mean, you always know that Le- that Lex is is up to no good, right? But this issue shows like to the extent of which he's willing to to basically play with these innocent lives just to get what he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. Um, the only thing that it notes in this is that, um, that as a joke, Keith Giffen drew Zatara in fishnets in his breakdowns, but that, um, uh, Joe Bennett did not know who Zatara was as a character and so actually drew him in fishnets, not realizing it was a joke. So it was almost published with Zatara in fishnets. (laughs) That would have been great. Yeah. 
Uh, anything else on 21? I'm good. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, 22, uh, this is in Eddie, Eddie Barrow's issue. Um, we we open up with Lex. Uh, one of his lackeys is uh, showing him the footage from a few issues ago uh, with Wonder Girl talking to Supernova, and they, they've uh, been able to cut through all of the, the distortion that Supernova is getting off and, and or giving off and um, capturing Wonder Girl saying Connell. And so this, this, this individual thinks that they've cracked the case on who uh supernova is and that lex is going to be very happy that his uh, clone son is alive but he's actually um furious because obviously supernova is not connor kent because he doesn't have any of the same powers he actually believes that it is uh superman himself in in a, in a really great reveal where he's just floating outside the window in a very um like christopher reeve superman-esque scene i feel like mm-hmm. um really good stuff um we we also find out um well well first uh before uh, before the scene continues we get a quick interstitial where we're introduced to a new character uh named john standing bear who uh throws a creep out the window of a moving bus and he somehow miraculously (laughs) survives um (laughs) which is wild. Um, but we, we cut back to Luther and find out that uh, he is trying to give himself powers through his own uh, metagene therapy, but he's he has negative compatibility and, and is unable to get powers. Um, but then we cut back to this new, this new character, John, who uh, we find out is the newest incarnation of the Super Chief character. Um which will be a, a little important later, um, <laughs> I guess. Maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, Lex is opening a new uh, school of business studies uh, where he's confronted by an individual who's claiming to have gotten powers uh, from Lex but had them taken away. And John Henry ap- approaches him uh, because this helps in his investigation. Uh, we cut back to Will Magnus, uh, who is talking with Mercury um, when uh, a, a group uh, attacks his house um, and tries to capture him. They have their own metal men, and um, Will is eventually captured uh well we don't, we don't actually see him get captured in this issue but his his house is is destroyed by what is basically a sentinel yeah um and the backup in this issue is uh origin of green lantern specifically how jordan art by ivan reyes Ooh. very early ivan reyes doesn't look doesn't really look a thing like what you think of his art now um i think I can see it. It 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 still it looks pretty similar. Like his pal in that first panel is a little rougher, but it's basically like the Hal that you see on all the covers of like Blackest Night and stuff. Mm-hmm. I I think. I don't think it looks very good though. Well, the anatomy's a little rough, but it, the broad strokes are there. Sure. Uh, so in the back matter, we get an answer to something we had talked about a few weeks ago. 
which Didio writes this one, and he says that Morrison was acting as a consultant for the DCU around this time. And he credits mm. Morrison with revamping the Atom and the Freedom Fighters before 52, and that he would go on to revamp the Metal Men after this. So I guess he was acting in some sort of editorial capacity. Okay. Cool. Interesting. I guess that maybe leads into credence that he was driving a lot of the uh, mad scientist stuff, which we had speculated. Yes. Yeah. Which we're going to get more of in the next issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so issue 23, uh, this is a, uh, issue illustrated by Drew Johnson, who I'm not familiar with. Um, we, we find out that Will Magnus was captured and is carried to Oolong Island in the, uh, skull of that giant sentinel <laughs> that destroyed his house. <laughs> and, and we find an island again, very, very Watchmen-esque of, uh, all of these mad scientists of the DC universe who have been captured and are kind of given free reign, um, in this, in this paradise to just work out all of their ideas and, and just kind of run wild with their imaginations. And, uh, more so even than Watchmen, this is, this is Manhattan project. It's like mm -hmm. e even yes. the art is a little Patara esque in some, in some segments to me. This is also Morrison Khan. <laughs> yes. This is Morrison Khan. <laughs> this is what Absolutely. happened. There. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs, uh, drugs, sex, it happened. Yeah, and a bunch of nerds. Yep. Yeah. Um, then we uh, we cut to Yemen, um, where uh, Whisper Adair, who we, we uh, saw much earlier in the series, is leading some kind of uh, religious ceremony where she's reading from a book, um, and people are chanting unto Cain. Um, this this is the beginning of the crime Bible stuff that uh, Rucka um what would deal with um renee and charlie are kind of staking out this meeting and they they find out that inner gang has amon uh, isis's uh or adriana's uh younger brother uh, but he just gets just wrecked i mean this wolfman just pile drives his head into the ground it's it's miserable um and uh, Charlie has to kind of hold back Renee to keep her from, you know, rashly bolting in uh, because they know that Black Adam and Isis are on their way. And uh, they do show up and, and um, kind of rescue them and, and fight off intergang. Uh, but it's really too late for Isis to use her abilities to save Amon. Uh, he, he's just kind of too far gone, too injured. So Black Adam... Uh, uses his power to add him into the black Marvel family. And he becomes Osiris, uh, who is essentially the black Adam, Captain Marvel jr. Analog. And, uh, the issue ends with the black Marvel family going to China. And Ooh. the origin back up in this issue is wildcat drawn by Jerry Ordway. Uh, it's a fun one. Jerry, Jerry Ordway getting to draw a, a old-timey boxing match good stuff mm -hmm. yeah so a couple of things of note here um the idea of a a black adam jr was it was a pretty new idea here 
but it will be picked up by Art and Franco in the Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam series just a few years after this. Um, but I think that the, the, the character of Osiris, I forgot, and this is, I guess, more of a discussion for next issue, I forgot how quickly he got annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty uh, pretty fast. But uh, more, uh, th- this first bit here is Vince Nip, that a good number of the mad scientists from the Ulang Island are actually from the original run of Dial H, Dial H for Hero, from the 60s. Mm. Um it's a more you know, I really only like the China Mayville one. <laughs> uh, no, you're not... officially the Dial H boy forever. Okay, great. All right. Okay. He will probably be reading it within I, he, a calendar year. I agree it's, with that, yes. somewhere on the schedule for sure. See. Um, but also, uh, more Gregor being a bitch, he said that um, Whisper O'Dare was supposed to have more of a naughty nun feel, but that sadly <laughs> didn't quite translate. So, okay, uh, Greg. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, first, first of all, oh, too, too, too sexy. Then now, not sexy enough. Exactly. All right. Fine. <laughs> all right. Anything else on twenty-three? Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, next we've got twenty-four, which is a a pretty big issue, I think, overall. Um, the. First and foremost, because it has Phil Jimenez on art. Um, yep. Although I I wouldn't say it's necessarily the best Phil Jimenez. No. It's not bad and Phil I, Jimenez. It's not bad, but it's not as good as even like what we got in Infinite Crisis. And I don't know if it's the inks. It's inked by Andy Lanning. Uh, colors by David Oh, Barron. of Endless Winter fame. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Endless Winter fame. <laughs> It's funny you say that, Zach, because oh. in the back matter, he says that his favorite person to ink him is Lanning. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would have to go check and see who has inked him on other stuff, but th- this doesn't look as good to me as, as Infinite Crisis or even the stuff that we got in um, in the Wonder Woman series in uh, Our Worlds at War. This doesn't look as good as any of that to me. Um so I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, we open up with uh, Oliver Queen running for mayor, which is something I think that was maybe hinted at earlier in the series and was going on in the main Green Arrow series at the time. Uh, Ollie gets a call. Oh, I should note his campaign manager is uh, Elliot Magan, who I, I assume is a reference to Elliot S. Magan. Yeah. Yes. Um, who wrote the some of those. I, I don't. I I only know I'm I'm familiar with Megan from the the Superman books like the Superman the movie adaptation and the Magic Monday. Yes, yeah. I, um. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a lot. He wrote various DC stuff. He did comics too. Yeah. yeah he wrote okay. and that was some a Mark detective. Wade, uh, Mark Wade said he named the character that in, in tribute to him. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay um ollie gets a call from a very old jla communicator and it's from firestorm uh the jason rush firestorm um asking him to join the new justice league uh who can which consists of firestorm firebird super chief who we met last issue bulleteer uh from seven soldiers and ambush bug because keith giffen Uh, (laughs) one of the one of the worst those comics stink. You hate Ambush Bug. I forgot about that. I hate Ambush Bug. 
He really uh, sucks in this. Um, he sucks in everything. I I I'm afraid to go back and read it. He was in Giffen's Doom Patrol that I really liked, and I I remember liking that, but I feel like if I revisit it, I wouldn't. Um, he's very much doing the the Deadpool thing here. He he at one he, point grabs also... a communicator. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say he grabs a communicator and says, send up a plot and three pages of dialogue right away. The weekly grind is tearing me apart. 52. Yeah, uh, you're forgetting. Uh, Ollie, makes a, Ollie makes a Taylor Hicks reference. Yes, which he is does. Just about the most dated thing you could put in this comic, I think. What I was going to say, Zach, is you forgot to mention uh, the best ambush bug we've gotten in the 21st century. Which no, channel is that? 52. Channel 52, yeah. Oh, no, stop. <laughs> um, uh, the Justice League is wondering where Martian Manhunter is because no one's seen him uh, in six months uh, or 24 weeks, uh, as this is week 24. Um, and we, we cut to uh, John at the... Rhode Island location of the original Justice League headquarters. He's uh, blasting and beating up some rock as he's kind of reflecting on uh, how he and uh, Booster and everyone else kind of did Ted Core dirty and recapping the events of um, the OMAC project and Countdown to Infinite Crisis. And we find out that he has been shape-shifting and, uh, and infiltrating the U.S. government in the attempt of getting checkmate shut down and uh which is a pretty interesting idea yeah that's um, fun it, it would have been really cool to have a like martian manhunter series at that time even if it was just a mini dealing with some of that um uh, rather than just getting it all off panel but it's fine um we find out that martian manhunter uh what he's been doing is making a giant monument to um i I guess kind of his Justice League, I guess is kind of how I read this. It's it's like the Justice League international team with also like some of the Global Guardian characters and, and um, yeah, Detroit's D Detroit characters. Um, a lot of the like kind of C and D string Justice League characters, but also Wonder Woman. And um, the Flash. Yeah, and, and the Flash, you're right. And Red Tornado. Um who I guess, you know, I don't know what tier Red Tornado falls under. Um, then we uh, go to China, where the Black Marvel family is meeting with the Great Ten and kind of um, uh, pleading with them to uh, adjust the terms of the, the agreement that they had discussed, the New World Power um, free, the Freedom of Power Treaty that they, that they had been discussing. Um, due to uh, black adam's change of heart um we cut back to the new justice league um they are fighting a group of uh time displaced pirates um who also i just got done rewatching return of the king and they look like the um the ghost soldiers that aragorn uh <laughs> takes control of in the peter jackson movies mm -hmm. um Mostly just because they're green um, and they're zombies. No, they're not zombies. They just look like zombies. <laughs> um, we uh, we get like an interesting bit of flavor here from uh, 
Firestorm, uh, as we get some more context for some stuff that happened in the Ranthanagar War, where uh, we find out that Firebird kind of talked uh, Firestorm into going into space, but then she bailed out on him. Uh, so she, he, he has a kind of a grudge against her. Um, uh, a bunch of Lex Luthor's Metagene heroes show up, not the Infinity Inc. team, but but others show up. And uh, at at the same time, Skeets shows up, but he he looks a bit more advanced than the Skeets that we that we last saw. Um, and he attacks Firestorm, and um, ends up uh, killing Super Chief by accelerating time and and causing his his powers to run out. Um, which which causes uh, Super Chief to go to the afterlife where um, Ralph Dibney is, and uh, Ralph has gifted the Manitou Stone. And the issue ends off with the revelation that was kind of hinted at in OMAC Project that Checkmate um, has been dissolved under U.S. jurisdiction, but is being... Um, reinstated under uh, as a UN agency and uh, John is not happy about this John Jones is not happy but uh, Agent Waller who I think is part of Checkmate at this point now she is yes still she, yeah she's still a part of Checkmate she's brought in the Atom Smasher who I who I I know I've not read JSA but I know he has a history with Black Adam and, and was involved in a lot of the stuff in John's JSA um, but Waller is kind of um, she's kind of suicide squatting him uh, in order to uh, for him to atone and, and kind of work off some of his, the crimes that he committed by by turning on Black Adam and getting a team together to go invade Kondok. And that's where this issue leaves off. Uh, we have an origin of Booster Gold illustrated by who else? Dan, Dan Jurgens. Mm hmm. The Mighty Dan. Yeah, I, I want to throw some love at some of the names of these characters that are the Luthor characters. Uh, uh -huh. There's one real great, real not great one, which is Pole Dancer. Don't love that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do specifically love these two, which apparently are both Steve Wacker and creations, which is E.S. Pete. <laughs> really enjoy that a lot. And uh, Immortal Bald Man in Armor. Yeah, th these feel like Dial H characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, anything on 24? Uh, just that apparently Morrison was pissed they used Bulleteer in the Justice League because he claims he was never told about it, but Wade points out that in the script it says, Bulleteer, if available, and then Grant with a question mark, but apparently Morrison never read that, so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that that tracks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do like um, this. You know, we've gotten a uh, a Teen Titans team and a Justice League team in this uh, this interim year of '52, where the you know the main Trinity is gone and everyone's still kind of recovering from Infinite Crisis. And it's it's fun, you know, even though these teams don't really last, um, to see uh, just kind of these big teams really scraping the bottom of the barrel for. Uh, membership. It, it's good. It is good. Yeah. Um, 
issue 25, which is 52 backwards. Um, <laughs> this issue is interesting for a few reasons. It's uh, the cover date on it is August, uh, October 25th. Uh, so it's right before Halloween and um, the cover uh, Halloween features prominently throughout the issue and the cover are, is three kids dressed up as steel booster gold and the question uh, which is fun. It's a really good cover. Well, uh, Dr. Fate's um, helmet as a, uh, as like a, <laughs> a trick or treat bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Um, this is the first issue to have multiple artists. So this has Joe, Joe Bennett, Dale Eaglesham, Phil Jimenez and Patrick Olaf all together um, doing different parts, which according to the back matter, that was, that was totally intentional. Um, it was intentional. Let me, let me read what it says here. Just look into it. Um, uh, before you started, it was done deliberately. This is Keith Giffen talking. Bennett was still our anchor artist, and thank God for that. Dale Eaglesham came up available just when we needed him the most. Phil Jimenez was, was a talent I couldn't believe was open to us. And Pat Olaf is Comicton's best-kept secret and a welcome addition to the 52 team. They were each assigned a special vignette, and to my way of thinking, it worked. Yeah, I think it does work um, because it is like a – that these are kind of told in in vignettes um, the way the way that a lot of 52 is but I, I think typically each issue kind of juggles fewer stories than this um, yes. so that's kind of how this works out and and I think it does work um, but the, the issue kicks off the first little vignette is um, we find Bruno Mannheim uh, who is the leader of intergang and a character that's been around previously, right? I, I at least remember him from the the Timverse animated stuff, mm -hmm. I think, if I'm not making that up. Um, yeah, but I it, assume he's... Was it Bruno? Bruno Mannheim is Max Maxi Mannheim's son, so was it Bruno or was it Maxi Maybe, in the... I don't remember. It, it, they're effectively the same character, so... yeah. Yeah. And so he, he is, uh, you know, in charge of, of intergang at this point or, or, you know, is an important figure in intergang. And he uh, is trying to take over Gotham City and he's um, trying to kind of exert his power over the, cr the crime bosses of Gotham, getting them to, to kind of pledge allegiance to his Bible of crime, um, <laughs> either willingly or violently. Um, and it's implied that he is, um, he, he has kind of been touched or influenced by Darkseid, um, which to me kind of also is like foreshadowing of, um, Final Crisis stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just reading too much into that. It says he, he's, um it whispered to him the sickening secrets of the dark side and his mm. dark side spelled correctly, which at that same time, um, dark side was, uh, in human form, a manager of the dark side club. Yeah. Um, so you saw in, and, um, seven soldiers. Right. Right. And, um, this crime Bible stuff is kind of running parallel to a lot of that. And like I said, eventually kind of intersects with, with final crisis in some way. So I, I think, I think this is all just Rucka and, and Morrison kind of riffing um, on that stuff, which is so fun. Again, just like an, another example of why this era of DC is just so good and fun. Um, 
next next section uh we have the the demon saba sabok king of devils who i think osiris had alluded to uh in the last issue um rampaging on halloween and uh mary marvel and and freddie are uh fighting him but then the black marvel family shows up and and dispatches him pretty quickly and saves the day all, all the kids want to be the black marvel family now um, this has so the they, best bit of dialogue in the whole series so far which is as which, osiris which is part? flying away he says yes. happy halloween judeo-christians <laughs> yes <laughs> very good i actually wrote that line down on my notes yeah, yeah you're right um uh then we cut to Ralph and Dr. Fate, who are elsewhere, um, they are somewhere in hell um, doing doing some. Uh, this is a heavy inspiration for Bloodborne, I think. Um, <laughs> there, there's like a knight with uh, weird tentacle things coming out out of, out of them that feels very Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, I love the art in this part. Yeah, yeah. I assume this has been it. I think so. I think the. That may not be right. I think it, uh, I'm not sure. It might be Jimenez actually. Um, but it it is really good. Um, Fate is kind of taking Ralph on this uh, walk uh, through hell, this cautionary tale of kind of what he's getting himself into, and using Felix Faust um, as kind of the centerpiece uh, of, of the of the cautionary tale. Um, then we cut to New York, um, where Infinity Inc. shows up to fight uh, Icicle and uh, Tigress, um, who thought it would be a good idea to do a heist on Halloween because everybody's wearing costumes, uh, which is pretty pretty cute. Um, a new Infinity Inc. member who's replaced Eliza makes her debut. Uh, her name is Matrix. And um, watching this scene is Alan Scott, who is wearing an eye patch <laughs> and looks uh, super, looks super cool. Um, <laughs> he he comes across uh, Mr. Terrific and uh, reveals that he's been offered the White King position in the new checkmate and offers uh, for Michael to become his White Bishop. And finally, we we get a quick check in with Oolong Island, uh, where Bruno Mannheim shows up and meets up with uh, Cheng Zhu, who is I meant to look up this character's Egg name. Fu. I thought it was Egg Fu, but I thought surely not. That's very racist. But um, <laughs> well, strap now, in, no Zach. <laughs> Well, notice notice that. Hang on, before you say that, uh, notice that like they don't call him that in this, because now that's an old old Wonder Woman villain, right? Yes, like yes. from the Golden Age. And I'm pretty sure they were trying to trying to kind of not be racist and by like giving him a different name and then saying I have he's at one point he says I have many unspeakable names or something like that. Um, but it sounds like it sounds like somebody didn't try hard enough not to be racist. So Brian, <laughs> lay it on us. So this is from Keith Giffen's uh, back. I'm just going to read a, a paragraph or two here. 
I can still remember the first time Egg Fu was brought up in a 52 Summit as a potential key player. No one even blinked. It was just assumed that the character could be modified to fit, even though no one at the time was exactly sure how. Um, I know my first thought was about how much fun it would be to play around with his giant, giant prehensile mustache. Mine's out of the gutter. Uh, little did I know. No mustache. No, and I'm quoting here, no clazy American jargon. I wow. was heartbroken. Keith Giffen was heartbroken and not being able to, that they... that they didn't make him a racist caricature. Jesus. Now, first of all, saying that is fucked up, okay? But DC let him print that shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine being, imagine feeling heartbroken because you didn't get that. Well, he goes like, on to say, "Who gives a shit about Egg Foo?" Yeah, he says, "You see, I have a soft spot for the more absurd characters that populate the fringes of the DCU. Ace the Bat Hound, who wore a mask so no one would know he was Bruce Wayne's dog. The Green Team, Paris Hilton times five. The Glop from Outer Space, eight rock and roll records. The list goes on and on. And Egg Foo always topped that list." So I, I I get that he's saying he loves the fringe characters, but what you, but you shouldn't love the racist aspect of the fringe characters. Yeah, jeez, it's bad. Um, this I, makes I should me, mention th this makes me feel better about him being a shitty interview during uh, Future's End. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, oh um, God, he's shitty at everything. Yeah. <laughs> Chang Zhu does mention uh, a weapon that he's developing called the Four Horsemen, which will be important later. Yes. And um, the the origin issue, the origin in this issue is Nightwing, uh, illustrated by George Perez. And this one is actually interesting um, because you, usually the origins for characters who are not, um, you know, specifically related to Fifty Two are kind of just like very basic, but the the end of this Nightwing origin, um, the last panel is him facing down the monitor, and it says the dialogue is unlike his former mentor. However, Nightwing enters each and every fight with a looming uncertainty. Grave celestial forces beyond our ken have informed him that his survival in the multiverse's recent crisis was neither expected nor foretold, and that his ultimate fate <laughs> is yet to be determined. <laughs> The Dio cannot help but turn the screws. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Um, which I don't was that being addressed in like the Nightwing comic at that time? Were Were you reading that, Vince? No, no, I wasn't reading Nightwing. I don't remember. Okay, I don't remember the zeitgeist around that, other than everybody saying Dan Dio wants to kill. Yeah. I knew I knew that, of course, that like Dan wanted to kill Nightwing, but I didn't know if they like turned that into a plot point after oh, the fact God. that like Dick survived when he wasn't supposed to. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very interested that the, I'm. It could just be a fun little note that they threw in there, but um, it's just very interesting. Um, anything else about twenty five? Uh, no, I, I love the crime Bible stuff. Yeah, that that's such a great idea. It's it's so it's campy almost in a way. Um, it it really allows a villain to like twirl their mustache for sure. Yeah, it's very pulpy too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it plays into the the question subplot really well. Um, yeah. All right, last issue for the night, and we're at the halfway point. Uh, issue 26, The Beast Who Came to Dinner. Uh, this is a Patrick Olive issue, and um, we open up with the Marvel family flying uh, Charlie and Renee to the Himalayas, uh, where they meet up with um, Richard Dragon and Aristotle Roeder, who were... Yeah, Tot is his nickname, um, who uh, are friends of uh, Charlie and help train him to be the question. And they're they're going to begin training Renee. And there's this fun like interplay that uh, or the, this fun idea that's kind of been tossed around a little bit through the course of the series where, where Charlie is the question and, and Renee might be the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why they eventually do not end up calling her the answer um but i i like that uh that dynamic between them it's fun um we get this uh, we get this interstitial here with uh jack Ryder, who is the creeper his his talk show you are wrong and <laughs> it's it's just so obnoxious um um we should note he does have a Christmas tree in the background because this issue is dated November 1st. Um, and he has uh, John Henry on his show uh, kind of interview him, interviewing him about his anti-Luther bias and in a um, Jerry Springer-esque turn of events brings on Natasha to debate him with uh, facts and logic. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, boy, she re- she really gets them, you know. Um, I, I I understand that Nata- the role Natasha is playing here. You know, she's the brash young teenager, but it's also it's very obnoxious. Um, <laughs> I think I don't know. Um, you, you hate kids. We get it. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. Um, no, I just love Steel. I love John Henry. <laughs> um, the rest of this issue for the most part is primarily taken up by a uh, delightful family dinner between the Savannahs and the black Marvel family. Yes. <laughs> um, which is such a great idea. We're, we're introduced to Savannah's uh, family um, who uh, his wife is, um, you know, a, a very attractive uh, blonde woman and they have four kids the older two who take after their mom and the younger two who take after their dad. And uh, those two, uh, Junior and Georgia, are down in Savannah's lab, who, you know, Savannah is currently missing. He is on the Oolong Island. And and they're playing with this time machine that Savannah has built uh, because they want to go back and erase some of their uh, greatest uh, embarrassing blunders in elementary school, which, like, honestly, who wouldn't? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Definitely relate here, um, but uh, in activating the machine, um, we see Wave Rider saying, "I know why," uh, which is the first time we've seen the Wave Rider. Um, but we know very well through this podcast that he's a character with strong ties to time travel and to Rip Hunter, uh, so that's probably going to be important. And um, 
before they leave the lab, we get uh, kind of an ominous uh, appearance by a reptilian-looking character. Um, the Black Marvels arrive. Uh, Lady Savannah invited them uh, after making a pretty sizable donation uh, because she wants them to track down Savannah. Um, we do get a quick cutaway to Oolong Island uh, where – is this uh, – is this – Veronica Kale is this the Dr. Kale who, who shows up on the island and makes yes. all the boys uh makes all the boys wild. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um which is which is fun. I mean it's it's dumb but you know all all of these mad scientists who do not know how to interact with with women and um that's the joke. That's the tweet. Send tweet. <laughs> um um <laughs> We get this dinner scene, which, uh, yeah, involves Osiris being very, very whiny and obnoxious. He's not he's not having fun, having superpowers. He, he wants to have friends. And uh, then the anthropomorphic alligator from earlier shows up. Looks very similar to uh, the monsters that we've seen in Intergang. Um, but uh, he says that he was a creation of, of Dr. Savannah and he, he was left alone down there after Savannah was captured. And um, he he just wants to be friends with Osiris, so they're they're going to be friends, and that's how this one wraps up. Uh, the origin in this issue is uh, Hawkman and Hawk Girl, uh, Joe Bennett on pencils. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that that reptilian creature who we eventually learn is Sobek becomes like the Black Marvel family's Takitani. Which is again was like some really fun Jeff Johns Marvel family stuff. The Savannah family is is a crazy family. They play a, a, a significant part in some uh, some of the um, Jerry Ordway Shazam series, and they're super fun. And uh, all of this is all this is really fun stuff. I I feel like the Black Adam story is progressing faster than I remembered it going i thought there was more of a of a honeymoon period with osiris being happy to be there but he's pretty much been a little shit since he got there yeah <laughs> pretty much um but yeah we're we're at the halfway point any big yeah. thoughts uh there's just i just love how much there is going on you know um more than any other weekly comic, I think they just juggle all these different storylines so well. What I'll say is just I I um I remember the first time I read this being underwhelmed by the mad scientist story, even though I felt like it had so much potential. And to be honest, I'm still sort of feeling that way. I wish there was more going on there so far. Yeah, I guess I did forget to mention I. I don't remember if it was this issue or, or one of the early oral ones, but we do find out that the island is being, I guess we did find out because Bruno Mannheim dropped, showed up there, but it, it's being run by uh, intergang. Um, so um, yeah. Anything else? I think that's all I've got. All right, well, I am leading the show next week with 52 Volume 3, so make sure you read that. 
Uh, if you need to find two thirds of us on Twitter, I am there at Brian is an app. And I am at, at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is searching the internet high and low for the opposite angle of those Lobo Starfire images. Oh, oh, boo, boo. <laughs> well, get back on Twitter so that I can uh, stop doing this bit. Anyway. I don't like this one. <laughs> thanks for listening, <laughs> folks. We'll see you next Dan D does what D, <laughs> D don't. <laughs>